Welcome back to Hot Tea Hot Takes, where the tea is hot and the takes are hotter. I'm Erin. And I'm Evangeline. Today, it is our grand season finale. Woo! Cue the applause! Yay! <laughs> Maybe we can add some applause and post that. Oh, I will. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, so, for our big fin- uh, final episode for the year 2020, we are going to be finishing up our conversation about Christmas music by talking about some of our more modern stuff. And for our purposes, I think we're defining modern as like 80s and beyond for the most part. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Um, you know, great Christmas music didn't die after the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, people have been making their own versions of old songs and new songs that are definitely Christmas canon. Um, and they shouldn't be uh, forgotten, I don't think. Uh, yeah. You hear them a lot on the radio, but you also um, there also may be some that you haven't heard um, and that I haven't heard. Definitely some people who have some great Christmas albums that are more recent. And then there's some that are not very good, and yes. we should forget about them. <laughs> <laughs> Except for now, because we're going to talk about them. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're a little less than uh, fantastic. So let's start off with, well, maybe we'll go back and forth. Well, let's, let's start out with a favorite, something that we really like that's come out in the past uh, 20-ish years. Every time I say 20 years, though, I think that's uh, 1980. And yeah, it's that's not, literally 2000, 2000. So 40 years? I'm not even 40. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, no, I literally have thought that, eight, eight, that 1980 something was Something about that. 40 years, 20 years ago for many years. And I think that 1970 was 30 years ago. Well, it was 50 years ago. I think that ago. Like, my brain is stuck in 2000 and I was a child then. Yeah, so I was eight weird. years old. So I don't know why my brain just stopped counting at <laughs> 2000. Wild. It's crazy. <laughs> um, well, let's see. I, I One of my first songs I was going to mention was, um, you probably heard it on the radio. It's called Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson. It's like, oh yeah, that's become sort of a modern classic. Me. See, that is a good song. And I just feel like, it has the same spirit as a lot of the old ones without being too like, text me on your iPhone, yeah. social distance from me, it's 2020 and this is a Christmas song. Like Songs yeah, like that, those it, are so annoying. It's got that timelessness. I mean, we think about the classic, which of course we're going to get to, All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, you know, those sort of, the the way the reason that we have so many of the old classics like from the 40s and stuff is because they're sort of timeless mm-hmm. even though a lot of them do sometimes uh have like dated uh cultural references. drop references like what was that um there's it'll really be like a picture print from courier and ives like yeah, that's dated. i don't know they were like a uh, company i think they released like i think it was christmas cards or oh remember, christmas yeah. Car- yeah that's yeah. true i remember uh, or like some kind of prints or whatever let me see courier and ives but it definitely hasn't been like a thing that's been relevant to most modern people. right yes right. it was a successful american printmaking uh firm 1835 to 1907 okay okay uh, <laughs> but yes so but uh, for the, mo- the reason that a lot of the christmas and holiday songs are so timeless is because they're timeless you know they reference basic concepts like love and family and friendship and mm-hmm. holiday celebration that we can all no matter what time period it is uh enjoy right exactly and they're also ones that i think the most except for maybe the exception of santa baby they are like gender neutral anybody can sing them i mean santa baby anybody can sing them santa apparently <laughs> we will discuss that one <laughs> but um most of the timeless ones are like either sacred and they are accessible by people who aren't even believers um like you know silent night or holy night things that people wouldn't you know will sing no matter whether they believe it or not and uh or secular kind of like christmas party let's go on a sleigh ride let's open presents family time you know things like that and and this song from kelly clarkson is very much like that um it's not too niche it's not too specific um and it is uh just like a fun song and i I think it's a great example of a modern christmas song that has entered into the canon like all i want for christmas is you yes like all i want for christmas is you uh (laughs) i was distracted by uh one other one i want to talk about that is not actually a christmas song but uh we'll get to it but yes all i want for christmas is you is one of the timeless like i said classics it's one of those few songs i would say you could argue that underneath the tree and a handful of others have managed to make them regularly circulating yeah, canon repeated, yeah. but i would say that all i want for christmas is you is definitely one of the most successful post like 40s songs or even 60s songs that became part of the regular christmas canon yeah. like it's uh you will never go through a christmas season without hearing it um it's so it's um always makes the charts it's always on like it always starts recharting on the billboard top 100 every christmas season um which is <laughs> pretty cool that mariah carey gets to chart every year basically yeah she uh, made a song that it's gonna make her money for the rest of her life yeah for sure it's it's a great song and it has a lot of um 
I don't know, just lasting power. Of course, Mariah Carey is a powerhouse. She sounds amazing. On of course. Basically everything. What year did that come out? 1994. Dang, so, it's as old as me. Yes. So it's, you know, definitely an older, like, I mean, older, not that old, but but it's a classic oh. that we've, <laughs> back in my day, in my that, day. You know, we hear every year. And I think that, you know, it deserves to, it deserves that place because it has become its own Christmas classic in its own right. It's good for Christmas party. Um, and it allows like Mariah Carey's kind of vocal talents to shine. Um, I I actually love um, a lot of Ariana Grande's Christmas songs too. Um, you know she's released a couple of Christmas albums. Um, I like Santa Tell Me. Santa Tell Me, I really like that. Um, she's got a couple others like uh, there's one called Wit It This Christmas, which I'm like oh, I don't know what you have. <laughs> um, that one's sort of like a hip hop Christmas song. Well, she has one called December, which is actually really sweet. So she's got. Oh, she, they're all mostly newer songs. She does Santa Baby, too. But kind of Ariana Grande does Christmas. They're not necessarily spectacular, but, you know, they they are definitely fun to listen to. Yeah, Santa Tell Me is one of those, like, I've even heard that covered a couple of times, even though it only came out, I think, in, like, 2008 or something like that. I'm not that, I mean, relatively not that long ago. Um, in fact, mine might have been more like 2012. But, um, you know, it's one of those, it's I don't 2014. know. 2014. 2014, okay, yeah. Oh, um, so it hasn't quite reached Mariah level icon status, but you know it's still something that we generally hear most years. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit to something that, like I said, is not a Christmas song strictly, but I used to hear sometimes on the radio, and I don't know if you did, is the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler. Um, I've heard it, uh, <laughs> but they don't play it very often, so I don't, I don't yeah, know I, it. Yeah, I have not heard it like very like recently. I used to hear it kind of often. Like I was, I remember the first time I heard it, it was you know interesting because I had never really had much exposure to Hanukkah, and I didn't know. Yeah. Him. And in it, he basically name drops a bunch of people that are you know are Jewish, and apparently it came out in two thousand eight, which I would have thought it was older than that. Yeah. Um, but he and I think it was part of his uh, one of his comedy routines at the time. But he is talking about the um different people, like he says, Hanukkah is the festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights, uh, which is a name drop to one of his movies, which is <laughs> it's an Adam Sandler movie, so you know, um, eight crazy yeah, nights. Yeah. Eight, eight Crazy Nights. Is that a movie? Yeah, that's a I movie that he. A lot yeah, of it's, it's not Sandler that good. Movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> say, when you uh, feel like you're the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. David Lee Roth lights the menorah. So does James Kane, Kane and uh, Kirk Douglas and the late Diana Shora. Um, guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and. Arthur Fonzarelli. Paul Newman's half Jewish. Goldie Hawn's half too. Put them together. What a fine looking Jew. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't need je- Deck the Halls or Jingle Bell Rock when you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Both Jewish. Uh, I knew that what? Spock was Jewish. I knew that Leonard Nimoy was Jewish. I'm not sure if I knew. William Shatter's Jewish? Yeah, William Shatter. That's wow. news to me. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, put on your yarmulke. It's time for Hanukkah. Uh, the owner of the Seattle... Seattle Supersonicas celebrates Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson is not a Jew. Um, <laughs> he says that. <laughs> yes, he says that. But guess who is Hall of Famer Rod Carew? He converted. Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. Uh, some people think Ebenezer Scrooges. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. And I think we knew that. I uh, think yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> so many Jews are in showbiz. Tom Cruise isn't, but I heard his agent is. <laughs> wild yeah so, so it's just though. like literally just like a rambling which i mean you know in show business there are a lot of jewish people yeah. um you know um, i've never like <laughs> listened to the lyrics that closely i did not know all of those lyrics um, yeah it's funny like yeah william shatner one was a, maybe a surprise I at some point like i said i definitely knew that leonard nimoy was because that came up when he passed away a couple years ago not jewish but you know oh. i feel like somebody should write more hanukkah songs. you know who else had a hanukkah song david diggs David, one of the stars of Hamilton, and um, uh, Thomas Jefferson. But yes, he is half Jewish. His mother is Jewish, which oh. is why his name is David. Um, oh, yeah, and it's like so. David is how Hebrew people pronounce like David, or like oh, the Hebrew pronunciation right. of David. Right. But it's spelled D A V E E D because yeah. his non-Jewish father preferred it to be spelled that way. So it's a whole thing. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> he has a song called "Puppy for Hanukkah" where he talks, oh, you know, because he grew up celebrating oh. Hanukkah. <laughs> That's so cute. Well, I guess if his name was spelled D-A-V-I-D and they wanted it to be pronounced David, yeah, then everybody would have to David. correct it his <laughs> yeah. whole life. So that is very cool. I did not know he had that song, and I didn't know that he was Jewish. That's very cool. The only reason I knew that that's how um, that was the Hebrew definition of, or pronunciation of 
David was because of NCIS, which my father watches religiously, and I used to watch it sometimes. And there's a character who's supposed to be Israeli, even though in reality, I think the actress is Chilean, but she's supposed to be Israeli, and her name is Ziva David, even oh, though it's spelled okay. like David. Cool, cool. I Fun fact. <laughs> wow. Um, tell me about one that you don't like very much. Oh, I, ooh, I can tell you about some I don't like very much. Um, let, let, well, okay. How do you feel about um, the post-Beatles releases of John Lennon and um, J- John, M- wait, hold, wait, hold it. Wait. Paul McCartney. John McCartney. <laughs> John McCartney Paul's and Paul brother. Lennon. <laughs> um, you mean Wonderful Christmas Time? Wonderful Christmas Time from uh, Paul McCartney and also uh, Happy Christmas War is Over from John Lennon. <laughs> Well, how does Happy Christmas go? I can't remember. Uh, War is over. I'm going to give both of them. Okay, listen. Y'all know I love the Beatles, right? But I'm going to give both of those songs a solid five or six, like, (laughs) out of ten. My dad hates Wonderful Christmas Time um, because he feels like it is a uh, very repetitive song. It is. That is not very well written. Compared to the Beatles' other work, it's not. Like, neither of those songs are necessarily. But, I mean, I get, like, War is Over is a lot more in the vein of what John Lennon was doing post-Beatles um, in terms of his kind of writing. Um, I just don't find either of them particularly, like, inspiring necessarily. Like, they are... Wonderful Christmas Time is, like, good party fodder. It is good for the background. It is not a, a very interesting song. There's also a Celine Dion version of uh, Happy Christmas War is Over, which is very... Actually, that makes Celine sense. Celine Dion-y. Yeah, it and makes sense there's a John legend, legend version as well, so fun fact. Okay. So it's been covered quite I a few times. I think that one is more... <laughs> has more substance, definitely, than Wonderful Christmas Time. Um... It's that one is supposed to be more, you know, inspiring and and you know, peace in the world and all of that. Um, I do think that no one should ever cover Wonderful Christmas Time. It was only good when the Beatles did it. Um, it wasn't I hate to say then, this, it wasn't even good then. So like, let's leave that one where it is. And uh, it's not even the Beatles. That was a like I said. I think that was, was a post, just that Paul? was a post Beatles song. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was just Paul. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I didn't mention last week was. Um, when the Beatles had a fan club, I think it was in the 60s, um, they recorded Christmas songs and sent them to fans, but they never got published. They were like promo, like kind of like um, rewards for being in the fan club. So there's like all these missing Beatles Christmas albums that went out to fans in the 60s that I've never heard and they're not on Spotify and they were never published for public sale. And I'm like, oh, I want to no, hear those really, so bad. We really could have missed out on those. If you happen to have a copy of those, let us know. Yeah, hit me up. <laughs> Former Beatles fan club members. If you're listening, Probably you're going to be older. in your 80s, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear those because they got to be better than Wonderful Christmas Time. They definitely got to be better. I mean, and even War is Over, Happy Christmas is not like that good either because it's just like, and so this is Christmas and what have you done? Another year over, a new one just, just begun. begun. And so this is Christmas. I hope you have fun. The near and the dear ones, the old and the young. Yeah, these are not very good lyrics. And then the children's choir comes in. Merry, merry Christmas and a happy new year. We hope it's a good one without any fear. Which to me sounds a little bit like the next song we're going to talk about. Well, the rhymes are lazy. We'll just (laughs) say that. This is no Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. Like it's, And I mean, the Beatles went through several stages where some of their songs made less sense than others. But still, it's just like, it's just so I would rather it be weird like Octopus Garden, here's Meet the Walrus. Whatever. Uh, you mean I am the walrus? I'm me. Hey, I'm Meet the Walrus. <laughs> meet Former the walrus. Beatles fan, everyone. <laughs> I all right. I didn't own that album growing up. I, I, I used to show um sometimes I will show um Yellow Submarine Submarine to my students in music classes. And it's got a music video, which is like this real animated yeah. weird video from like Sergeant Culpepper's Lonely Hearts Club or whatever. I think it was part of this extended animated version of the Beatles or something. Yeah, they had yeah, a it lot was of like stuff a cartoon series or whatever. Anyway, my kids are very weirded out by it. They were like, What is this? They don't <laughs> they, get it. It's they were okay. on a lot of drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. I know. <laughs> I always like I always when I was younger didn't really like the fact that I knew that they were on drugs when they did some of that. So I 
stuck to the earlier stuff because I was, you know, pretty straight edge at that. I was 13. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> uh, at that time. Oh but God. anyway, you were about to mention another song. Sorry. Yes. Well, you know, we've mentioned I think we've dropped. We've mentioned this song like e- even as far back as the we Halloween episode. We can't help talking about it. We can't help talking about it because it is so bad that it has to be talked about again and again. And every time I listen to it, there's another bad thing that I forgot about it. And that's do they know it's Christmas time? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Let's buckle in and talk about Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. I mean, disclaimer, uh, if you love this song, I'm sorry, but uh, it's You're just... You're not going to like the next couple minutes yeah, of this skip, <laughs> skip ahead about three and a half hours. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but um, this song came out because it was a, f- uh, a charity single. Yeah, Is it that was correct? a charity single. Um, 84. Um and it's a super group that recorded it, basically a bunch of different bands. Is that right? Yeah, it was a bunch of different groups as well as, um, you know, individuals. Uh, Band-Aid was a charity super group featuring mainly British and Irish musicians and recording artists. Founded in 1984 by Bob Geldof to raise money for anti-famine efforts in Ethiopia by releasing the song Do They Know It's Christmas for the Christmas Market that year. That song was recorded at Swarm West Studios in Notting Hill, London, and was released to the UK on Monday, the 3rd of December. The single surpassed the hopes of the producers to become a Christmas number one on that release. Three subsequent re-recordings of the song to raise further money also topped the charts. And the Band-Aid 2 version in 1989 uh, and the Band-Aid 20 version in 2004 i'm not sure how they jumped from two to 20 um mm-hmm. and finally the band-aid 30 version in 2014 why oh dear heaven why and then <laughs> the original was produced by midge aldrich and the 12 version was mixed by trevor horn the original band-aid was comprised of let me see if i find one. Oh my gosh there's a lot here um yeah oh my gosh here. okay i didn't know there were this there's yeah. so many famous people on this song so robert cool bell uh aka the lead singer of cool and the gang uh, celebrate good times come on celebration um that's cool in the game right yeah and bono from you two of course we didn't do anything about bono uh pete briquette from the boomtown rats adam clayton from you two phil, phil collins, collins uh from genesis as well as a solo artist. i feel bad now that i hate this song <laughs> yes. so much oh no there's a, definitely talented people on it but it's still a trashy song uh cr- i mean we are yeah the world. It's, it's mostly <laughs> I, it, to me it's the composition like it's the lyrics yeah, and, and the music i don't yeah. i don't really have a big problem with the vocalist yeah the in the in the people in there chris cross george michael was on this I yeah chris him. cross by ultravox simon crow sarah dellen uh savon fahey uh, sorry, I don't know some of these people. <laughs> Johnny Fingers, also from the Boomtown Rats. Bob Geldorf from the Boomtown Rats. Boy George. Um, Glenn Gregory. Tom. Tony Hadley. John Keeble. Gary Kemp. Martin Kemp, both from Spando Ballet, as well as John Keeble. Uh, Simon LeBon from Duran Duran. Duran. Marilyn. Uh, George Michael from Wham. John Moss. Steve Norman. Rick Parfait. Nick Rhodes. Francis Rosie, Rossi, Sting from the police. Sting from um, Sting. Yeah, also can't have without Sting. Andy Taylor, uh, James Taylor, also from Cool in the Gang. Uh, JT Taylor, not J- J- James Taylor. Yeah, JT Taylor, not the other artists. James Taylor, yes. <laughs> not the, yeah, the other guy who releases Christmas songs that my mom likes. Uh, right. Don Taylor, Roger Taylor, Dennis Thomas, also from Cool in the Gang, Midge Yuri from Ultravox, Martin Ware, Jody Watley, Peter, or sorry, Paul Weller, Karen Woodward, and Paul Young. And additional spoken messages on the B side were performed by Stuart Adamson, Mark Brzezeski, Tony Butler, Bruce Watson from Big Country, David Bowie, Holly Johnson, and Paul McCartney. And then Phil Collins plays the drums on it too. Um, it is, well, I didn't know all of those people were on this song. Um, and another thing that I didn't know was that it was as big as it was. Um, there were several other versions I of mean, it, including one it in 2014. It became the fastest-selling <laughs> single in UK chart history. It sold a million copies in the first week alone. Like, which honestly, like, it's it's I, I'm torn because that's a lot of money. That's a good thing. Um, I hope that all that money went to great causes and helped a lot of people. Um, and I guess I get like I get why people wanted to support it definitely, but do I get why it's still played this much in America? 
not so much yeah well i well here's the thing okay so the just a couple fun facts about the band-aid 30 version released in 2014 was uh for the ebola outbreak and it featured u2 again u2 was in three of the four ones but it also included one direction sam smith ed sheeran emily sanday ellie golding rita ora bastille and take that and chris martin from coldplay and you know again bono um so all of the modern um british stars at the time but yeah like that's the thing that i don't understand the most about it is like how it became like a perennial christmas classic i can get you know when it came out okay people were supporting it because they wanted to support the crisis or whatever but like the fact that it's still a regular thing that just gets played on the radio like think about compare it to an american charity single we are the world because apparently uh, from what i understand like british people release charity singles a lot like more than the united states does (laughs) and um yeah i mean i know i definitely bought a few one direction singles that were charity yeah like it's a a big thing over in the uk and it's not that that big of a thing in the united states but we are the world was released of course in the 80s and then it was re-released in the 2000s uh for some other crisis i think haiti uh but anyway we are the world you know it's generally understood that that's a charity single people pay for it whatever but that didn't become like a radio hit people weren't listening to that at random times like driving to work and listening to we are the world so the fact that every year we listen to this charity single from 1984 um from a bunch of british people for a crisis that isn't a thing anymore it's just like why are uh, why is this like a christmas carol especially when it has lyrics like it's christmas time there's no need to be afraid at christmas time we let in light and we banish shade and in our world of plenty we can spread a smile of joy throw your arms around the world at christmas time okay you know fine it's a little fine. hokey but you know fine yeah but then it gets just terrible but say a prayer prayer <laughs> pray for the other ones at christmas time it's hard but when you're having fun there's a world outside your window and it's a world of dread and fear where the only water flowing is the bitter the sting of tears. tears and the christmas bells that ring there are the clanging chimes of doom well, tonight, thank God it's, it's them, them instead, instead of you. you. What? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I just don't understand how that line couldn't... They would. They wrote it, and they didn't think about how that could be misinterpreted as, like, demonizing Africa and the people there, or, like, demonizing... Or just making it seem like this other world. It, it feels so, like, white savior to me. It, it feels extremely white savior. I mean, you know, the Christmas bells that ring there are the clinging chimes of doom, doom, and the only water flowing is the bitter sting of tears. And I know that they're supposed to be, like, I don't know, guilting you into caring by saying, well, thank God it's them instead of you, but it just sounds so spiteful and unnecessary. Well, you have to, you, you have to deliver it the right way with a little bit of like irony and poking sarcasm and if you listen to it and you don't know it's ironic thank god it's them instead of you is the way that they deliver it (laughs) like i just don't want i just don't know if people necessarily know that that's being like you you know this is not this is not the right way to think but this is what you're thinking like you know it should be more like uh this is like pointing out the hypocrisy is the point yeah and even then i i still think because i did understand what they meant by that line and i still was kind of galled by it because it's like i I am sorry that other people live in like i was like eight when i heard this song the first time i was like i'm sorry bono i can't do anything about the starving children in africa i feel bad but like just like i don't know what you want me to do about that and it was like and then the next line is and there won't be snow in africa this christmas time the greatest gift they'll get this year is life where nothing ever grows no rain or oh rivers flow do they know it's christmas time at all hey do y'all know that the literal longest river in the world is located in africa <laughs> does he say africa yeah he literally That's says so africa, embarrassing. Which is, the whole thing is very much like africa as a country like treating it like it's all yeah, the same place because so like ev- maybe some maybe they were having i don't know like i don't i'm sorry to be nit- nitpicky but like they weren't that it doesn't mean that nothing is growing in the whole continent of Africa. Yeah. Even if they were having a famine in Ethiopia, it's 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 contributing to that whole mindset of Africa as a is a country, and it is all a, a barren horrible wasteland. barren waste. Like, it just makes it feel so other. It's very kind of off putting. Yeah. To well, me. that's that's the me the most severe problem with it is that it treats Africa like it's a country and it's the most barren wasteland. I mean, to the audacity to write something like where nothing ever grows, no mm-hmm. rain or river like, flows like when there is literally again the longest river in the world is located in africa and also there are very fertile lands and the lands oh. that aren't fertile are mostly not fertile because they were pillaged by colonizers yeah. bono yeah <laughs> and also like if you compare like a country like egypt to a country like south africa to a country like ethiopia everything is different it, it's like 
it, it would be like I mean Americans are so like oh I live in California I don't live in Iowa like you if you yeah. if they were getting as mad about how you're conflating Ethiopia and Egypt as you do about Iowa and California like it's a huge amount of land it's a continent like yeah, it's a you continent. can't call it the same the, thing the ethnic diversity uh, America or sorry Africa is literally the horn of humankind right like that's where humans started evolving from so literally it is the most ethnically diverse uh continent on the planet right and to say it act like it's all one thing is insane to me and it's like do they know it's Ugh. christmas time at all here's to you raise a glass for everyone spare a thought this yuletide for the deprived um wait that's deprived? not even wait i don't remember that line at all and then Maybe it says here's to them underneath that burning sun i remember that part uh ain't gotta feel guilt just selfless give a little help to the helpless that's the first i've heard of that line this yeah, must maybe be that's one of the newer, one of the newer versions. versions yeah but um and another thing is that even though this is supposed to be raising money, at least initially, it was supposed to be raising money for Ethiopia specifically, they never mention Ethiopia specifically. They just say Africa, again, like the whole continent. And they say something like, uh, do they know it's Christmas time at all? Fun fact about Ethiopia, 60% of Ethiopians are Christians, with about 40% yeah. of those being Ethiopian Orthodox, which is the biggest religion in that country. And uh, Ethiopians typically celebrate uh, Christmas on January 7th, which is the Orthodox uh, celebration day. Shout out to my Orthodox folks. Um, and uh, so, like, Christianity is huge in Ethiopia. Yeah. It's literally the dominant religion. They know what Christmas is. It's so Bono. tone deaf. <laughs> it's so tone deaf because it's like, uh, we have to bring Christianity to these people. Like if you knew what was going on in their country, like the it oldest deal. And, not, and, and not even just like, okay, like bringing Christian and not even like the colonized version of Christianity. The oldest sects of Christianity are in Ethiopia. Like oh Ethiopia is literally mentioned in the Bible. In the Bible like yeah. Paul the Ethiopian. Philip or, yes. or whoever it was. Um, the, uh, evangelizes to that Ethiopian guy because again there were a lot of trade routes of, through Ethiopia and Rome yeah. and Greece and all that. So like that story. some of the oldest churches and Christian groups that like from the beginning of Christianity like from like 200 AD are like in Ethiopia. So not only do they know it's Christmas and not only do they know what Christianity is, they've known it for longer than Europeans have. So yeah, it's all they, just very interesting. They were, you know, there were Ethiopian people uh, during the time of Christ or um, immediately after Christ's death who were bringing Christianity to Ethiopia way before they knew about it in the UK. Yeah. So, you know, I, and and honestly like I I I get that this is this was a good you know good intentioned effort and honestly i mean they wanted to raise 70,000 pounds and they raised 8 million pounds which is amazing it's just i don't know something about you have to be careful about the way that you do charity work or do philanthropy so that you are not uh uh making a bad message or an incorrect misinformation message um, continue out in the world for you know years and years and years after even if you your you know efforts are really successful which they were it just continues to add to a message that I just think is really inaccurate yeah no I completely agree and it's just like it, it like I said it's just so it's damaging it's it's very colonizery uh, in their mindset and the mentality of oh we have to help these poor savages in Africa who don't even know what rain or water or food is because like, honestly the 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 do they know it's Christmas the idea of them knowing about Christmas which they did or many of them did um is so irrelevant separate it's irrelevant <laughs> from the idea that they need food and water like yeah. physical necessities uh they don't need Santa Claus to come down yeah. unless he's bringing like, you know, big bags yeah. of food and water food and water. Yeah. Like he, I feel like this idea of like, Oh, we should bring them Christmas lights. We wish it was sewing over there for you. Like, it's like, no, please. We need food. Like this is a, just, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, they took this idea and they were like, let's run with this whole like idea of like, they don't know that it's Christmas. Like, you know, it's important that they have these physical necessities first. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, they've yeah. got to start with food and water. And also the idea of, you know, oh, there won't be snow. Okay, well, that's just because a lot of Africa is sub-equatorial. Uh, so is Australia. There won't be snow in, in Australia, Australia this Christmas time either, and nobody wrote a song about that. So, Well, it's also very Eurocentric to think that you can't have Christmas without snow. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to snow here on like, Christmas, Like, literally probably. the Santa Claus, the Australian version of Santa Claus, like, runs around in, like, shorts. Like, that's a thing. Because it's, like, Dope. summertime in Australia right now. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole world is not exactly like where you're from. 
uh, and that's true for literally everybody on the planet. Like you have to be very aware of how you're describing and talking about people in other countries, especially if you're not very aware of their culture. And that's what this song feels like to me. Fails at that. Very good. All right. Well, that was a lot about last. Yeah. Well, we got that out. Uh, We got that out of our system. (laughs) Um, How do you feel about last Christmas? Uh, Last Christmas by Wham. When I gave um, you my heart, and the very next day you gave it away. Okay, which... listen, <laughs> I was on the anti Last Christmas train for a long time because I felt like it was, I didn't like that there was this logical inaccuracy that he had given the heart away. And then you have it again the next year. It didn't make sense. Like, oh, I was this annoying little kid that was like, oh, it doesn't You're make like sense. like really pedantic And then about I that realized, part. and then I grew up and I realized that I love Wham. And so now <laughs> I love this song. I love George Michael. I think that it's a great, like, again, it's like such a party song. It's ironic that he died on Christmas. I know. Oh the, the, the inevitable Twitter jokes were inevitable. <laughs> it was sad. Anyway, yeah, I, um... I also think I just didn't appreciate 80s music very much when I was younger. I felt like yeah, it was dated. And now that we've gained a little bit of distance from it, um, uh, people are trying to make this sound now again because of, you know, the, it's got such a retro vibe, the synths and the echo and the um, the uh, uh, drums in it. And I feel like it's it's definitely coming back. And so for some reason, like Last Christmas has never seemed more kind of modern to me than this year like i'm like oh yeah i would just listen to this for fun yeah and i would say that that sort of um throwback element of the 80s is another reason that like i've never heard a cover of that song that i like yeah i can't think of one that i like as much at all because it's like something about george michael's completely overwrought over the top 80s corniness performance you gave me away it is so dramatic so over the top and it's just it works so much for the 80s aesthetic that's true. I can't think of another version that I like as much, especially not Taylor Swift's. It's on the playlist Taylor at Swift, work, and no. I'm like, <laughs> she does Santa Baby and and uh, Last Christmas, and they're both bad because she just doesn't have the uh, she doesn't commit. She's just like it's just very kind of milquetoast, like Santa Baby. Like, oh, I mean, she may have recorded it when she was like 16 or something, which in which case, like, fine you're a 16 year old yeah, but it's 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 saccharine it's, it's not just <laughs> another not they're not very good sorry taylor yep but uh but yeah it's there's some sorry sorry no, 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 go ahead. <laughs> there are some songs that are just best done by the first person and they are not ever going to be that good again also george michael was uh, just insanely hot like he, yeah. so okay well uh, i texted my sister about this the other day i was like do you think george michael's and she was like, oh, yeah, like he's not my type, but uh, he, I think he definitely was. And I was like, dang, because I thought you were going to say yes, as because I, I was definitely like on the George Michael is hot train that day. And I feel like um, if you watch the music video for Last Christmas, it is very seductive. seductive. Sorry, oh, it's very. Oh, he's given bedroom eyes the entire oh. time. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Uh, <laughs> like very very much i mean but the thing is like george michael was like sold the idea that he was a sex god yeah and he sold the idea that he was heterosexual until like 1998 yeah. <laughs> so like he very much had a big female fan base and very much leaned into the whole oh yeah i'm hot and sexy you want it's my body very, and then it's um, like, <laughs> sorry right, it, right. but he kept that under wraps for a while <laughs> yeah exactly he he had that class i mean the hair the you know his his whole look the uh the clothes and everything it was just very um very sultry uh and so that's a great music video too if you want to watch that um and speaking of the what you mentioned it briefly the covers that don't quite work santa baby let's talk about okay so talk about your favorite version of santa baby we said this last week was santa buddy (laughs) no the best version is eartha kitts sorry eartha yeah the best version i always want to say um eartha kitts version i think is the best version of this I don't, I'm not going to say that there aren't other good versions, but there are very bad ones. So tell us about the bad, the uh, worst. Yeah, well, the, I, I don't like, let's see, the three covers that I can think of right off the top of my head are Taylor Swift, Madonna, and uh, uh, Michael Buble. And, like, we already talked about Taylor Swift and why that doesn't work. Uh, basically, I was breaking it down in my head the other day, and I was like, okay, so, like, Eartha Kitts works because she manages to perfectly balance, like, sexy but tasteful 
Yeah. Like, it's just enough. Like, Eartha Kitt's whole persona was very, like, sexy. Like, she was Catwoman and everything. Mysterious. You know, very mysterious, but just, but not over the top. Yeah. And, like, Madonna's version is sexy, but not tasteful. And Taylor's version is tasty, tasteful, but not sexy. Tasteful, but not sexy. And, like, I think Ariana Grande kind of walks that line okay, too, because she was in that phase where she was, like, trying to be sexy, but also sort of a baby, which is, like, weird. Um, but the and worst then when people do the baby thing, it's a little weird. But what's weirder is Michael Bublé's version. And and disclaimer, I'm going to talk about how I really think he's done some great Christmas music. But this is just this one should have been slashed off this album. And the, the, for me, I would just sorry. I just saw a headline that was like um, Michael Bublé's version of Santa Baby is offensive to Christmas and to me. <laughs> <laughs> Did I write it? I wrote that. <laughs> Let's see. And, and the, like the whole problem is that like okay, so there's a couple of problems with it, but the bi- the biggest one is all right. So we got the Earth. So it's called too. Santa Buddy. Yeah, it's right? called Santa Buddy. First of Sung all, sung by a man. Which is why I call it the No Homo version because Santa Baby again is inherently. I'm not going to go so far as sexual. I think that's overstating it, but it is flirtatious. flirtatious at least. Yes, absolutely flirtatious, and it's very much from the. It's the kind of thing that you that is i don't want to say only a woman could sing it but it's very much kind of a female oriented song like the well, way that and, it's framed um i mean and if you are a uh a male presenting person who uh might have a crush on santa claus like you can sing this song like they talk about rings and cars and diamond mine or something like that um platinum mine <laughs> what Platinum mind. Sorry, I've listened to the song a lot of times, but um, you can sing this song. But there's something about a straight man who is really, really concerned about everybody knowing that he's straight. Exactly. Singing this song, like, why would you ever pick it? I know he was trying to be funny, but it comes off as very cringy. It, to c- me. it comes off as extremely cringy, and the problem is, it's like, okay, so he's making the song again. He's trying to make it aggressively straight, but the thing is correct me if i'm wrong but i do not think it is a common pastime among straight men to petition their straight male friends for expensive gifts i don't know that there's a way that you can do that that doesn't only in the case of santa a straight man who brings you presents as like like, again if you're if you want it if you're just gay for santa then go for that and be completely gay for santa no then like you know completely commit yourself to that idea but to be to be like no i'm straight but i just happen to be asking santa i mean he says santa but Okay, this is Santa baby, but this is should be buddy. Santa buddy, slip a Rolex under the tree. So instead of a sable, because Eartha oh, asked a, for a sable, which yeah, is like a fur. Like a fur. Um, he says, slip a Rolex under the tree for me. I've been an awful good guy, Santa buddy, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa buddy, a 65 convertible too. So he updated a little bit because I think hers was 54. <laughs> Why did he put one year on it? I, no, I think it was a 54 convertible oh, for her. Oh, 54. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, a 65 convertible He probably realized too. that a 54 might not still yeah. work. And, and he said steel blue instead of light blue. Uh, I'll wait up for you, dude. Santa <laughs> buddy. Oh. Hurry down the chimney now. Yeah, these lyrics are worse than you remember. Probably out my skin. <laughs> <laughs> think of all the fun I've missed. Think of all the hotties that I never kissed. Next year, I could be just as good if you check off my Christmas list. Santa pally. I want a yacht, and really, that's not a lot. Who has ever called their friend Pally? Is it 1925? I've been a sweetie all year, Santa buddy. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa buddy, one thing that I really do need, the deed to a platinum mine. So he left that part uh, pretty much untouched. Santa Pally, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa buddy, fill my stocking with Canucks, Canucks ticks. For kicks oh, right. instead He's of duplex and checks. Throw me on the first line instead of sign your ex on the line. Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. I'm not even sure why asking for a duplex and checks would have been, you know, gay. Like, if, like, if, like just let me, okay. Um, come, but, come, yeah. <laughs> come and trim my Christmas tree with some decorations bought at Mercedes, not Tiffany. Um, Doesn't make sense. I, <laughs> you can hang jewelry on a tree, you can't hang a car. <laughs> I really do believe in you. Now, let's see if you believe in me. Santa Poppy. Now, that's probably the worst one. Santa Daddy Santa. Santa Pop. Santa Poppy. Uh, Forgot to mention (laughs) one little thing. Cha-ching. No, he doesn't ask for a ring. He says cha-ching. No, I don't mean as alone. What? Santa Buddy. So hurry down the chimney. Oh, tonight. Uh, Hurry down the chimney tonight. Oh, hurry down the chimney tonight. And I'm just like. 
Okay, so I guess that the fiction here is that it's a flirtatious song, and he's taking it back to the whole, there's no flirtation, this is just a person asking a mythical creature for toys and gifts and money because if you think about it as having any flirtation it it undermines everything he's trying to say here about being straight so like it's weird that he picked such a flirtatious song and then sucked every ounce of flirtation out of it so that he could be like no homo no homo just (laughs) buy me all these things magic man like it feels weird because like he doesn't want there to be any flirtatiousness at all but he still wants this man to buy him a bunch of stuff so he's kind of like it's kind of like you know just the idea that like just be good and santa will bring it there's no you don't have a relationship with santa he just is kind of like this omnipotent being who sees you when you're sleeping etc etc um which honestly i'm more comfortable with than flirting with santa because in the canon he's a married man and that's just, the end of my point I, thank you for coming to my test he's side. old and he's married so uh tisk tisk no it's just like i said it's just like okay we're gonna take sort of an inherently flirtatious song and try to suck all the flirtation out of it and it's just a weird song about a dude who calls a guy things that nobody ever says like yeah, buddy pal- and pally, pally and poppy um poppy <laughs> well he didn't say bro anywhere so thank goodness santa well, he does say dude though he does say dude <laughs> i'll wait up for santa you dude. dude again why 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 are you waiting up for santa michael we're being weird you're making it weird you're making, you're it, making weird. it uncomfortable <laughs> I think his um it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas is very good. Yeah, it's a, it's, um, a good, it's a good mix. I think that his Christmas baby please come home is very good and I think that his cold December night which is an original is very good. I I, I like a lot of the songs on that album. Yeah, the overall is a great it's a good Christmas album. That one just does not quite work and I don't, you know, it's just like I um you know, it it just it's not quite what I think he was going for. I just think he could have just just as easily not recorded that and it would have been fine. Um Real quick, what do you think about um, This Christmas by, it's most well-known from, like, Stevie Wonder? Oh, wait, no, actually, Donny Hathaway. Donny Hathaway's yeah. version. Uh, uh, Stevie Wonder's is, Someday at Christmas, oh, I like there'll that song. be no tears. Um, I love the Donny ha- Hathaway version. It is so classic. I, I actually think that that song works when a lot of different people cover it. Like, I don't think it has to be his, but I think his is. It's really good. Um. And honestly, the bells will be ringing, whatever oh, that yes, one is. Oh, yes, that one, uh, Please Come Home for Christmas. I like that song, I love too. the Aaron That's Neville version one. of that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, think that that, I think that that one is covered well. Um, and so, yeah, I love that. So uh, this Christmas version is uh, an inescapable black Christmas classic. Yeah. Like, if you're in a black family, you don't not know that song. <laughs> yeah. And Donny Hathaway has such a smooth voice. I love uh, that's on an album that is actually like just a Donny Hathaway collection, and he has a lot of other great songs on there. So I would check that out. Um, another like soul uh, Christmas album is Karen Jones and the Dap Kings. Uh, it's one of the most interesting Christmas albums I've ever listened to. She is an amazing singer, and this is like the most funky soul Christmas you've ever heard. She has a song called Big Bulbs, which is so funny. Um, it's about, you know, big bulbs flashing in the window, about, like, you know, Christmas lights and everything. Uh, funky Little Drummer Boy is a fun song, too. It's just, you know, kind of a funk version. Um, so I would check that one out. Uh, and then if you've never listened to Leslie Odom Jr.'s Christmas album. Oh, boy, that's a classic one. I would listen to him sing anything, basically. Um, he does Merry Christmas, Darling by the Carpenters. Um, he does Little Vice, which, like, <laughs> I wouldn't think of that as a Christmas right. song, but it's a nice song. I know. He does My Favorite Things uh, from Sound of Music. A very, Other very, Sound of Music one. Yeah. Very, very good cover of that. I love the Christmas Waltz, too. Um, oh, yeah. That is a beautiful song. Well, I've got two of the newer ones that I would like to discuss, uh, um, but I did <laughs> to wrap this up. First of all, we couldn't let the Christmas season end without talking about Christmas shoes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, I haven't heard it organically in a long time. I have heard it already two really? or three okay. times this you year. You must be listening. I think you're listening to the radio more than I am. Yeah. Um, who is it by originally? I w- new song? No. I want to say it's a new song, but let me that's like the, the number one that shows up on uh, on Spotify. I think that's the only, ver- yeah, it's a new song. Because that's the only version. I, th- I don't know of any cover versions of it. Maybe there are, but I don't. Uh, yeah, Christmas Juice is a Christmas-themed song by Christian vocal group New Song. It was written in 2000, um, and yeah, it recorded from 1999 to 2000. It's a narr- well, okay, so the whole thing is like, 
Okay, so the, he's it's one of those story songs that can well the next one we're going to talk about is also a story song, but <laughs> that can that can be good or bad depending on you know your interpretation. But it was um you know a song where he talks about it was almost Christmas time. There I stood in another another line trying to buy that last gift or two. Not really in the Christmas mood. Standing right in front of me was a little boy waiting anxiously, pacing around like little boys do, and in his hands he held a pair of shoes. And his clothes were worn and old, he was dirty from head to toe, and when it came his time to pay, I couldn't believe what I heard him say. Sir, I want to buy these shoes for my mama, please. It's Christmas Eve and these shoes are just her size. Could you hurry, sir? Daddy says they're not much. there's not much time. You see, she's been sick for quite a while, and I know these shoes would make her smile, and I want her to look beautiful if mama meets Jesus tonight. And then he continues. Such a tearjerker. Yeah, yeah, no, well, it's such a it's such an emotionally manipulative song. And yeah. the next verse, he says, like, he counted pennies for what seemed like years. And the cashier said, son, there's not enough heat here, which, you know, the cashier was real cold hearted. I'm sorry. Like, son, there's not enough kid here. This kid came up and said, I need to buy these because my mommy's dying. And the cashier's like, sorry, kid, sucks sorry. to suck. You ain't got no money. And he said, he searched his pockets frantically. Then he turned and he looked at me and he said, mama made Christmas good at her house, though most years she just did without. Tell me, sir, what am I going to do? Somehow I've got to buy her these Christmas shoes. So I laid the money down. I just had to help him out. And I'll never forget the look on his face when he said, Mama's going to look so great. And it goes back to the chorus. And he says, I knew I caught a glimpse of heaven's love as he thanked me and ran out. I knew that God had sent that little boy to remind me what Christmas is all about. And then he cuts into the chorus with a children's choir just to really lay it on real thick with the emotions. And just so much of that is just so... I, I hate I hate it like from a from a musical level it sucks like it's just it's not melodically very nice the guy who's singing it is not very good at singing uh so just it's not pleasant to listen to first and foremost uh secondly many people have pointed out the questionable implication that God smote this kid's mother with cancer so that or whatever she's dying of so that uh he could teach this middle class man what christmas is oh, about oh you know because how god <laughs> uses poor people to teach rich people lessons exactly. like exactly yeah. and he goes into like all those extra details about oh he was so dirty and poor and raggedy well, and i was so a savior stereotypical. to him <laughs> it is really really like uh very reductive and it is meant to make people cry uh, but it's just like again, it, it it's everything that's wrong with like those Christian movies and stuff like that, and just contemporary Christian music in general, where it's just like very reductive and stereotypical, like stir up emotions, meant to yeah. stir up emotions without really meaning anything, and it's just saccharine and stupid and irritating. And again, I don't know why we're still singing it. Like every, like I thought we all agreed that it's a bad song, and yet for twenty years we've heard this. Playing on the radio, <laughs> and um, the. <laughs> have anything else to say about that one but um it is what it is yeah it is what it is but um the last one i really wanted to talk about go ahead and tell the good people what it is i love this song it's called same old lang syne um it is actually set on christmas eve which is i just realized oh the song backwards and forwards (laughs) but like it's called same old lang syne so it seems almost like a new year's song um but really not anything it's just it's a, not any setting for this man by dan fogelberg dan fogelberg's long and excruciatingly detailed story about running into an old lover yeah i mean i don't know why i loved this song so much when i was younger i used to wait for it to come on the radio uh basically uh, it's about a man who meets an old lover at the grocery store the snow is falling christmas eve i stole behind her in the frozen foods and touched her on the stalkery <laughs> oh hello and <laughs> we touched you um she didn't recognize the face at first but then her eyes flew open wide she went to hug me and she spilled her purse and we laughed until we cried in the grocery store you know what you do um took her groceries to the checkout stand and the f- food was totaled up and bagged i mean i feel like i'm with him like yeah exactly the, the line details of the- again excruciatingly uh, de- there are four verses before the chorus just yeah. four layered on details about this encounter <laughs> we went to have ourselves a drink or two but couldn't find an open bar we bought a six pack at the liquor store and drank it in our car i mean i know this song is supposed to be kind of like about the the reality of, of Christmas and but it is very bleak actually yeah and oh yeah but when he says the food was total up and bad we stood there lost in our embarrassment and the conversation dragged like, oh, okay. it's just kind of like I feel as uncomfortable as I do when I run into I someone know. I haven't seen in a long I feel time like I'm there. <laughs> um, they toast each other in the car and then she says she married an architect who kept her warm and safe and dry she would have liked to say she loved the man but she didn't like to lie and <laughs> which Aaron was saying earlier that seems a little bit like he's guessing it, it sounds like that. he's projecting that because I mean she didn't i mean did she say that he didn't say uh that she said i don't love my husband but you know he keeps me more like she's like it just feels a little projecting that that feeling to her um 
and that the years have been a friend to her and again there are there are seven ver- no sorry there are nine verses to this song um <laughs> she said she saw me in the record stores and that i must be doing well i said the audience was heavenly but the traveling was hell i think it's based on like a real a true story sort of it like apparently had an encounter with an old girlfriend in uh, 1975 um i said the years have been a friend to her and that her eyes were still as blue but in those eyes i wasn't sure if i saw doubt or gratitude uh, okay what <laughs> So they, yeah, and then like the last verse is, beer was empty and our tongues were tired and running out of things to say. She gave a kiss to me as I got out and I watched her drive away. For just a moment, I was back at school and felt that old familiar pain. Yes. Oh, and the chorus that we he only the chorus that he only arrives to like twice is, we drank a toast to innocence, we drank a toast to time or to now, uh, and tried to reach beyond the emptiness, but neither one knew how. Um. And he does say we're living in our in one of those verses we're living in our eloquence and other old lang syne, so you know it's kind of a bleak song about uh, meeting somebody you used to like. Don't know why I well, like this, this woman's so husband much. is like why is she taking so long? She was just picking up some bread. Yeah, like what's <laughs> going on? Uh, she's making out with this guy in the parking lot. Um, yeah, so weirdly that I loved that song. Um, I kind of liked up. it too. I remember hearing it as a kid and far be before I had any concept of like any ability to understand what he was talking about with yeah. his, like bleak depressing stuff. Like it, it's melodically rather pretty. Um, it's again, sort of overwrought, but okay. Uh, but it's just like, again, it, the details are so uh varied and specific and it, yeah, it is just like, yeah, it's painstaking details and it's just kind of like, uh all right. I mean, sure, I guess. I don't know. It's just like, how serious was your high school relationship that it warranted all of this? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, I don't hate that song at all. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Th- so according to the Genius Annotation, Fogelberg wrote this song based on an incident in 1975 when he bumped into an old girlfriend from high school, Jill Anderson Grulick. I'm glad that he specifically named her. I'm Boxer. sure she appreciated that. Um, at a convenience store in Peoria, Illinois on Christmas Eve. So, again, very detailed. Uh, these two shared a six-pack of beer and reminisced for a couple of hours before parting ways. Fogel never identified the woman in the song, and Grulick only came forward after Fogelberg's death. Okay, so she came forward in 2007. Grulick has identified two inaccuracies in the story in the song. Her eyes are not blue, and her husband at the time was not an architect. <laughs> You didn't love him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, wow. Very specific. Yeah, again, very specific. And like, okay, I mean, she docks herself so fine, I guess, if she wanted to be known as that woman. <laughs> but Wild. So, again, wild. But actually, I'm really not surprised that it was a real story, because why would you be that specific exactly. otherwise? Exactly. It was nauseatingly specific for no reason. I, get, I don't believe it's a real story. <laughs> Well, anyway, I, there are so many more songs we could talk about, but um, I think that we've covered a lot of the really, uh, the, the best of the uh, worst. modern, <laughs> the best and the worst of the modern <laughs> Christmas songs. Um, and there are so many other artists who have great Christmas albums that we didn't even talk about. Well, what would you say of the three eras that we've talked about is your like favorite? Oh, the, uh, the classic. I have to say, just because of the nostalgia of it, um there because you hear those songs for so many years about you i would probably agree i think that those are some of the most the most classic ones i have gone on record as saying i think religious uh christmas music is generally better than secular um but but that whole era from like you know the 20s the 50s or so is pretty classic i would say it's a tie between that and some of the older religious hymns Um, i really like the christmas hymns um, but yeah, you know, it's like a lot of that stuff. It's like, yeah, this is nice. And, uh, again, it's nostalgic. It's, it reminds me of all of the Christmases I've had, um, in my life and the family and the things that I, I don't get that same feeling from listening to, uh, Santa buddy for sure. <laughs> and honestly, because so many of the new songs are just covered of the covers of those songs, it's hard to imagine those songs disappearing. Yeah, they are the groundwork of the Christi- Christmas canon. Yeah, yeah. You, can't really, you don't have what's on the radio right now without those songs. It all weaves together, really. It's, uh, it's all one big uh, quilt. And, you know, you wouldn't have those songs without, like, the stuff that came before, like we talked about in the exactly. first week. Exactly. You know, like, Jingle Bells is a really old song. But the whole concept, like, to, these, to this day, if you want to make a song 
if you want to communicate that a song is supposed to be a Christmas song, you put jingle bells on it. Yeah. And that comes from the idea of like, you know, horses before, you know, we had cars, Having the bells. people were riding on yeah. sleighs and they put bells on the sleigh so that you could hear them coming because they didn't have horns and stuff like that. And a lot of times if perhaps you were sending packages or something to your friends and family for the holidays, you would hear the jingle bells, which would signal that the carriage was coming yeah. with perhaps a loved one coming to visit you or a gift for you yeah. and so that's why that became associated with christmas and then that became to this day now that we're well past needing horses to deliver our presents but we still associate jingle bells with christmas it, and people will always sing it no matter what te- uh, transportation we have exactly it's always going to go and back jingle to bells initially wasn't even supposed to be specifically about christmas it was just sort of a song about riding in a sleigh it's, it's no, literally it- just like it was just like a wintry song it wasn't and if i'm not mistaken and this is calling back to, I mentioned in the first episode that I took like a Christmas course. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, um, Jingle Bells is part of the reason that this standard for like our music is about three and a half minutes long. You know, most songs are about a minute and a half long. Okay, so first of all, Jingle Bells is one of the best known and uh, commonly sung American songs in the world. It was written by James Lord Pierpont, in, uh, who lived from 1822 to 1893, published under the title One Horse Open Sleigh in the Autumn of 1857, and it has been claimed that it was originally sung, written to be sung by a Sunday school choir or as a drinking song, although it has no connection by to Christmas. a Sunday school choir yeah, or, or as a drinking, drinking song. song. You know, either <laughs> or. As n- although it has no connection to Christmas, it became associated with Christmas music and the holiday season in general decades after it was first performed by a blackface minstrel performer, Johnny Pell of Ordway Hall. Why does it always come back to blackface? Blackface. Wow. <laughs> we talked about that last week. <laughs> Some area choir adopted it as part of their repertoire in the 1860s and 1870s and it was featured as a parlor song and college in a lot of college anthologies in 1880s it was first recorded in 1889 on the edison cylinder this recording believed to be the first christmas record is lost but in 1898 a recording from edison an 18 mm, an 1898 recording from edison records survives there was only enough room to record like oh. three and a half minutes worth of recording. And that became like the standard of like, you know, songs or, um, but yeah, that, that harkens oh, all the way back to oh like Jingle Bells and the first audio recordings that exist, which is crazy. <laughs> and also, um, Tom, I think his name is Tom Scott on YouTube. We obviously watched the video too. Um, where he did some research on the parody version of Jingle Bells, which we've all heard Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, and like different versions of it, like Robin laid an egg, et cetera, et cetera. That has been around since at least the mid 60s with many variations on the lyrics. Um, and Tom, through his research, determined that in the United States, the Batman Smells, Robin laid an egg version um, was popular throughout the United States from like the 60s to now. And the UK, it was popular, but it was Batman Smells, Robin flew away instead of laid an egg oh. and then it switched it only switched commonly from the uk from flew away to laid an egg after a simpsons episode which came out in the 90s i don't remember exactly oh 1989 um which i think was the first yeah it was the first uh, premiere episode of the simpsons and since 1989 the general canon of british people have said laid an egg instead of flew away basically he did a survey of a bunch of people like sixty thousand people and he had them put what year they were born and what version of the song that they knew so he's like if they were born after 1989 they were more likely to say laid an egg but if they were born previous to 1989 in the uk they were more likely to say flew away however laid an egg was consistent across like from united states no matter when they were born from the 1960s to now um and which was probably because of the adam west version of uh batman which was popular at the time and um and they also pointed out that the likely reason for these kinds of things because that and other songs that like we all know these like that little sadistic barney songs like we all knew those like you know uh i kill you you kill me let's get together and kill barney with the shotgun bang barney's on the floor no more purple dinosaur and etc those were kind of the original memes because we all knew those as kids but like how did we learn them because we weren't on the internet and he thinks that part of the reason was military kids Military kids were who like spread it from playground to playground across the country, and that's how like those things became so well known. A real life meme, like but prior to the internet, these things became memes, which is crazy. (laughs) Well, that's really cool. Uh, Well, everybody spread a meme today, uh, day in honor of us, and say something, and then hope somebody else says it, and then we'll all just reinvent language that way. together and we want to wish you all a very merry christmas and happy holidays um it is still i believe hanukkah is it i think so 
when by the time you hear this it might be over because i don't know when it's going to be uploaded but um the happy hanukkah joyous kwanzaa to those of you who are celebrating that merry christmas and any other holidays that you may be celebrating at this time or just you know festivus for the rest of us and whatever happy happy solstice happy whatever you celebrate we hope that you have a wonderful season and that you spend it perhaps not physically with your family given the current circumstances but uh that you have you know a good time with uh, your loved ones even if you have to do it virtually uh, I will say, uh, as we close, uh, we made uh, mold wine this week, sort oh, we of our did. own wassail. We did do that. Um, it was very good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So we finally kept our promise on that one. And if you follow us on our Instagram, you can see a picture of it. It looked pretty dope. Looking for a tea fact uh, to tell you guys. I wanted one that was Christmassy, but I don't know if I have one. Uh, well, here's a fun fact that is not related to tea. My mother just sent me a bouquet of roses that my dad brought her because today is their anniversary. Happy anniversary, mom and dad. Uh, 31 years? Yes, I think they were married in 89. 89. So 31 years. Happy 31st anniversary to my parents. Oh, happy uh, I don't even think they really listen to the show, but uh, they can just know in spirit that I said happy anniversary to them. <laughs> and I should probably call them and actually tell them that. <laughs> Um, according to legend, tea was discovered in 2737 BC by Chinese Emperor Shen Nung, known as the Divine Healer. Purportedly, he discovered the beverage when tea leaves accidentally blew into his pot of boiling water. That's interesting. Uh, yes. So thank you so much for listening and happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We'll see you in the grand year of 2021 where knock on wood. Nothing bad will happen. Oh, Lord. I feel like we might have jinxed it even then. I just Uh I don't even know. Uh, Yes. Break a leg 2021. (laughs) And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.